What is up, fuckers? Hi. How the hell are you guys? Wonder Waffles. <laughs> Out fucking standing. Good. I'm always happy to see you two handsome fucks. You guys are some handsome, handsome devils, all right? Handsome. So that was, speaking of what we're talking about today, men's health, mental health. Men's mental health. It's going to be a fucking heavy one. Yeah. That was one of the questions that came up was, how are you doing? So, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, actually. I'm doing pretty good. I think that's a question that like a lot of people lie about. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. yeah. It's just kind of like a question you go to the store, you ask the cashier, hey, how are you? They ask you whatever, like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm great. But really, are I'm you? dying inside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you can't, like, trauma dump on people. I mean. No. Can you imagine you're sitting there, like, trying to get your debit card in the machine? Oh, fucking everything's falling apart. <laughs> Tire wear is bad. How are you doing? Oh, I want to die. <laughs> okay. I hate fucking being here. That's why. You always want paper or plastic. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we should try that one time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just go to Walmart and go to three different check stands and just trauma dump on three different people. <laughs> hey, this is Preston's first time on the show. Hi, I'm Preston. Hi, Preston. Hi. Yeah. All right. It's my first time. Now that we made light of that. Yeah, we're going to talk about men's mental health. And I think it's something that uh, doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. And we're all kind of hardwired to be really stupid about it because we have these old school ideas of like you got to stuff all your shit down and just deal with it and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you're not allowed to talk about it because it makes you weak and all that and i think that's a load of horse shit absolutely it sure is um and so i was thinking the same thing and i was really trying to like dive into where that stems from like why is it that men feel like they have to be okay all the time and uh, I'd like to get you guys' take on that I think uh, I think it stems back from like way back in the day when you were you know doing everything by hand working on the farm you were supporting your family um, you didn't have time to be like oh I'm really going through some shit you know you have to like just kind of put that aside and support your family and go to work just put it in the background and pretend it doesn't exist and I feel like you have to have this uh, like masculine kind of got your shit together mindset and appearance so you can't like just come out and be like hey man I'm really not doing okay cause like you feel like just nobody gives a shit Yeah. when in reality your health is your mental health is just as important as anything else. Yeah. You know, well, I <clears throat> I agree with that <coughs> very much so because it comes from um, that place where being a man, like you had to be strong and you had to just like strive through everything because back in the day things were a lot harder and if you didn't handle your shit, you died. That's yeah. just the reality of it. But I think a lot of that got handed down. In a, in a not so good way because I think a lot of men would, you know, especially like boomers nowadays, they would talk to their dad or, you know, say, well, I'm having a hard time. And their dad would be like, suck it up, man. When I was a kid, I had to work 
this job. I had to drop out of high school. I had to do all these things. And that just kind of like floats downhill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, just the way it's been passed down and the way emotionally insecure people tend to still do that same thing of like, you know who you can talk to as a man. Like, you know who's actually in your corner and who's willing to listen to you. And then you have to find out the hard way who's not because you could try to reach out to certain people and they just like, yeah, suck it up. It sucks. Move on, you know? And it just perpetuates that old bullshit. Where do you think it comes from? Uh, Same thing. I think that, I think it goes even further back to like, because what was our role as a man as we developed into human beings as we are today? Um, Really, you wanted to try to be an alpha male in your pack or your tribe. And the way to do that was being strong, not really showing weakness, um, to be able to procreate with the females in the tribe, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's more of almost something that's in our... embedded in our genes or our DNA to try to be strong and try to try to present a strong front and not show any signs of weakness so that we can have these things that we desire as men which can be you know power or money or like <clears throat> finding a mate or mm. you know and showing vulnerability is still in our standards today almost a sign of weakness which I think is something that needs to and is slowly changing in our current climate it is slowly changing but I think the real problem is we need to have more advocation for that we need to have more men who are willing to stand up and just break the mold and be like no fuck that you know I'm not just gonna bury all my shit down because you there's only so much space you know and I think more men have to not just do that, but kind of stand up to the alpha male who kind of has that mentality of, oh, you're being a bitch or you're just a pussy or whatever it is. And you have to be able to be willing to fight back against that, you know, because I'm sure at the drop of a hat, you can think of one person who like fancies himself of an alpha male and has that mentality of just suck it up and move on. But it's up to, I think, good men to fight back on that yeah for sure yeah and not just fight back on it but also create kind of a space to where you allow people to come to you with their problems or allow you to be able to listen to them you know like if either one of you guys came up to me and was like dude i'm having a hard time like lay it on me let's hear it you know yeah and i feel like there's not enough of that going around because so many people are still stuck in that bullshit mentality of nah dude Put in a suitcase. You got to move on. Yeah, yeah. So here's a question, because <coughs> I wrote a couple down. What hurts your mental health the most as a man? Um, I would say, for me personally, is um, when there's a lack of reciprocation in a relationship I have with somebody that hurts my standing with them and their standing within my 
my eyes, if that makes any sense. No, it absolutely does. Um, so, like, I would say my the way that my feelings work is I try to show appreciation and, like, love for somebody in work that I can do for you or, like, giving what I can give to you or, like, doing something, acts of kindness or acts of... Um, service. Service, yeah. And so if there's if there isn't reciprocation in that, then I feel taken advantage of in some way. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with that for sure. Um, I feel like if I'm going through something and I need to talk to somebody and I go to that person and they're like, yeah, whatever, man, cool, just you know, suck it up. First of all, I'm going to lose respect for that person because I don't feel like they respect me enough for to, sure. to hear me out at least and just let me kind of rant because not all the time I need I don't always need like somebody to just talk to me, like, you know, give me their opinion on things. I just need somebody to listen to what I'm going through so I can just get it off my chest. Because a lot of the times just talking about it to somebody helps out a lot. I don't need their opinion on how to make it better. Mm -hmm. But if they're not even willing to hear me out, that's just, yeah, I'm just like, you know. It feels extremely disrespectful. It does, absolutely. And I've run into that with a few people you know when I was going through hard times and again you kind of learn who's in your corner and who's willing to kind of stand in your fire with you and and I agree with both of you 100% and more to your point is um, I've been kind of trying to teach myself to understand what response I need to give does this person just need to talk or do they need assistance like and I'm really bad about talking too much lately so it's like when I'm trying to help somebody I feel like fuck I'm talking too much just let them let it out you know and I need to get better about just asking the question do you just need someone to listen or do you need help absolutely that's uh (laughs) that's really hard when somebody comes to you for help or just wants to talk it's often hard to find out do I need to talk to this person do I just need to listen well, and I, I think we need to normalize just asking that question. Absolutely. Yeah. Do, you, do you need just to let it out and then just have somebody to talk to and listen to you? Or do you need me to help you solve the problem? Yeah. Well, that's a, that a it, question I wish I would have learned how to ask many years ago. Yeah. I think that a problem that goes along with that is also that a lot of people are programmed to have a conversation with somebody and it's more of just a, like a automatic conversation that's going on instead of listening to what they're saying taking it in and then responding you know take a few seconds process what they're actually saying and then respond to it instead Mm -hmm. of just waiting for your turn to talk and then yeah talking yeah and it's funny you say that because i this has kind of been on my mind for a while and i'm not trying to like make a diatribe against women but women tend to do that a lot is like and that's why I think a lot of men don't feel comfortable expounding on their feelings to a woman especially a woman you're in a relationship with is because they'll either figure out a way to turn it back on you or they'll make it about themselves yeah I think that in my experience I I feel like women internalize things so if you're saying that you have this problem 
they'll look at it from their point of view instead of looking at it from my point of view or from a man's perspective. Mm-hmm. And so when they respond to you, it doesn't make any sense because they're looking at it from their perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes they they turn it back on you too because they feel like they're personally attacked when you yeah. open up about something, like you're going through something. It could have something to do with them, could be completely like not even involving them. They're like, oh man, I messed up something, I did something wrong, like mm-hmm. I need to flip this around on them because <laughs> I feel attacked that you're like you're you know, feeling down about something or whatever. Um, they flip that around on you to I guess make themselves feel better and not like they're the problem. So do you think men don't um, <clears throat> talk about what they're going through in fear of hurting their partner's feelings or making it in, into a fight when really it's like just a no, this is how I was feeling. I just want you no, I, to know. I think more men tend to just internalize it and not say anything because you're not validated. I can't tell you how many different times I've tried to reach out to somebody I was with and this has basically happened in every relationship I've ever been in where I say, oh, I'm having a hard time or I'm feeling down or depressed or whatever. And you get this response. Well, I've been depressed for so long, but I just got through it. Fuck you. You know, yeah. that's that's not an appropriate response to tell to somebody. Not helping me out here. Yeah. Yeah. To anybody, really. <laughs> no. It, I no. Mean, it does help to say, you know try to relate to somebody's situation but you know i've i've been there before and it sucks and what can i do to yeah. help you that's it, like, there's a difference between like listening to what they're saying and just responding with yeah. something like oh everybody goes through that suck it up yeah and, and that's such a weak response it, especially in terms of when you're in a relationship with a person and you finally have like that strength to feel vulnerable enough with them to say i'm having a problem which is arguably very difficult for men to even be able to say that. So it's like, if I reach out and say that I'm having this issue or I'm depressed or whatever it is, and that's the response you give me, like I'm not reaching out again because I'm I'm not going to deal with that because I was looking to a person for support or love or care. And all I got was, yeah, I deal with that too. Suck it up. It's like, I get that enough from other dudes, yeah. you know, especially people that I consider friends or family or whatever. You shouldn't have to deal with it at home, too. Yeah. And it, it does take a lot of strength to even get to that point of going to that person. And, and then just to get shut down once you actually, I guess, get the balls to do it. You yeah. Because you're sitting there, just it's just brewing in your head. And you're like, all right, I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come forward and tell them about my like how I'm feeling and then when they just shut you down that sucks it does That's, it's fucking hard yeah, and I remember yeah. uh, several years ago I actually reached out to uh, my partner at the time and was like I'm having a hard time with this and all I got was a I'm sorry hmm. that's it <laughs> like you know how hard that was for me to say I even have a problem yeah because yeah. I'm I'm not a stubborn person, but the one thing that I have that's like a strike against my character is I will not ask for help. I'll move that couch by my fucking self. Bet. I think a lot of men are like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's... But that's not just like a scared to be vulnerable thing. It's 
for me, I've understood that it's more of like, I have to prove myself to myself kind of thing. Yeah. Like I can do this. You fucking watch me. And I think a lot of men are that way just because they're scared to be vulnerable or to be open enough to say like, yeah, I do need help. And it's hard. It's difficult because we've been raised our whole lives to go like, no, you don't need help. You need to just push forward. Yeah. That's where that masculine toxicity comes into play. <laughs> masculine toxicity. Yeah. For a second, I was like, are you drunk? No, you just put that backwards. You totally confused my yeah, brain. Yeah. I didn't need help. I don't need help figuring that out. No, that's uh, I think toxic masculinity is like one of the worst things for men's mental health. Yeah. Um, I think so too, but it, I want to, it seems to me like that there's a shift going on right now because of like social media and like everybody has a platform to get on, say Facebook or Instagram and talk about their feelings. And and so you get to see a perspective from people that you wouldn't have access to prior to like social media or the internet or whatever. Um, so there is more stuff being talked about. And so you can, if you have certain feelings, you can go online and say, okay, this is, you know, a normal thing. This is something that's not just affecting me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are resources now. Um, how that progresses forward, hopefully it shifts more into normalizing more um, emotional outlets for men and especially in young young men or boys that don't really feel like they have that when they go to their like dad or their grandpa or uncles that are older that grew up in a different generation that have that toxic masculinity trait of saying you know stop being a pussy grow some balls you know be a man what does that mean like most men that I've known and respected, I've seen cry and like mm-hmm. show their emotions. I have a hard time doing it myself. Like I make jokes and like try to laugh stuff off and really something will hurt me inside and be like, okay, what do I have to do to get over this? And most of the time it's like, I really have to think about why it's hurting me personally, why it's hurting my feelings and, and, and stuff. And mull it over and then figure out what it is that's actually hurting emotionally and then try to move past that instead of like bury it lashing out and that's I think that's a, a real male response to when they're feeling frustrated is aggression because that's is, a, yeah. an acceptable um, emotion for a man to show is aggression and so it's like okay I'm going to keep my manliness by turning this hurt into anger and lashing out um, physically. Yeah. So for for me, that was one thing that I struggled with in my early, you know, late teens, early 20s. I had a really bad temper and and stuff would just throw me off. And it was mostly because it would be something emotional that I couldn't deal with. And so I would turn it into anger and lash out physically. Mm -hmm. Um, Now... I've realized that when something like that happens, I have to take it in, mull it over, and really, like, like now I'll go to the gym and just, like, work out for, like, an hour just thinking about what it is that's making me 
feel this way and why do I feel that way and what happened possibly in my younger years that makes me look at this situation in the way that I'm looking at it yeah, and try to work past that in my own mind. I think anger is a much easier emotion to deal with and, and I guess cope with than like pain and it's it's so much easier to just be angry at a situation I, I don't know I feel like it's easier to move past something to be angry at it than to just go through that like shitty shitty time of just being upset and crying and but if you just get angry at it you go to the gym punch a punching bag whatever I think that's easier at least for me to deal with than crawling up in a ball you know mm-hmm. and then and, and just like fetal position fucking crying you know yeah it's easier to punch a punching bag and get through that it, it, but at the same time i don't honestly feel like that helps that situation because deep down that problem is still there and it's still hurting you you're just using anger to mask it to get through it yeah um i don't know if that's a healthy way to do it i don't i think the gym is actually a really good resource to use because you can be pumping iron whatever going through your feelings and you're just getting through it with I guess like a physical like outlet yeah you know well I so I've got two points on that topic one is that anger is a first and natural response you know you think about a small child they go through their terrible twos where they throw tantrums and they get angry and they act like little assholes and we're kind of curated to do that since we were small children. Yeah. And it's just emotionally your first response. And you gravitate toward it because you know how to do that. You've been doing it for so long. Even when you were one or two years old, you would get pissed. And so the other point is like learning emotional maturity is going, yes, I'm angry about it right now, but I have to figure out a way to internalize it and process it, like you were saying, and mull it over and think about it. And then to credit with the gym thing, it's like, if you're so aggressively angry and you have to take it out, yeah, go to the gym, go hit that bag, go lift those weights, go run, do whatever it is you gotta do. And then once you get that anger out, then you have to sit with yourself and you have to process those feelings and emotions and think about it on a very deep level and understand like you said why it is that hurt my feelings or why I'm upset about this or whatever and I think that's a very difficult prospect for a lot of men because they're so used to that temper tantrum two-year-old thing where well if I throw something or if I go full Kyle and punch a hole in the wall or whatever I'm gonna get listened to or paid attention to like no you just look like a fucking psycho yeah you're not actually processing you're not a mature human being because you revert to this two-year-old nature that you should have grown out grown out of by your 30s yeah yeah but anger is just it's so quick and it's so easy and it's the first response because if i think of anger as like a funnel like all of your emotions can go into this funnel and it just comes out as anger yeah no matter what it is if it's love hate resentment whatever it goes in one one color and comes out another color 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where where I was going was like I'll so like if my wife and I have like a disagreement or whatever, we hardly ever, ever argue or fight. We do bicker like most couples do, but if there's a real problem, I try not to talk or try not to bring it up until I have what I want to say and what I have, you know, what the problem is worked out in my own head. Because if I just start talking, the anger's going to funnel through and I'm just going to start saying mean, hurtful things. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people do is just they let that build so much and then it just comes out as a fire comes straight out and you just start saying the most horrendous shit you can think of just to hurt the other person's feelings. And it's like... That wasn't my intention. My intention is to let you know that I'm feeling a certain way, and there's something that I think maybe you can do to help me. Yeah. Push through this, but I have to work that out in my own head. And by doing it at the gym, I get almost like a um, meditation. Yeah, going your your body I'm, is almost like autonomous. Right. So I'm doing the meditation while I'm doing physical activity, getting that. Like rage that's up front, out, and so I can just process it in a mental way instead of like a physical outlet, like for sure punching a wall or like throwing the couch looking for the remote control. Like I'm <laughs> <going> for. <laughs> well, and I know, I know, like for myself, and uh, so like after my ex and I had split, I was so angry and pissed off at just everything in the world, and I had all this built up resentment. And I would literally say the most horrendous shit I could think of just to hurt her feelings. And obviously I'm not proud of it. Yeah. But the more like emotionally mature I've gotten, the more I understood that I just reverted back to that feeling. And I was also so like overwrought with all these built up feelings and all this kind of resentment and everything that that's just the way it funneled through me. Yeah. Versus now, like where I'm at, if I had been, if I was faced with that same situation, I would handle it very differently. But it's it's just so easy just to like click right back into that. And it's just like, I'm pissed and I want everybody else to feel the way I feel because I'm mad. Yeah. And it's, it is childish, but it's also something we have to learn about ourselves and understand and accept that that is part of our nature. Mm-hmm. And, but that doesn't mean you can't learn to do it better right yeah i think that's something that you can definitely like experience and then learn off of it because everything in life is a learning experience just depends on how you look at it sure so yeah you might have acted in a wrong way before but now like present time now you can look back on that and say hey that was a really shitty way to go about it this is how i can go about it now so when something Hopefully not happens again what, like that, but, um, you know, something like that no happens again. That. Um, <laughs> something like that happens again, you can take that previous experience and apply it to the problem now and be like, hey, this is how I reacted last time. I'm going to be better this time. Yeah. The outcome will be better. I mean. Well, that, that's, that's how learning and growing works. I right. mean, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome is the definition of insanity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's say I get into another relationship and that ends and I act the same way. And then that happens again and again and again. Like, the outcome's going to be the same. Right. Versus 
understanding like, okay, that didn't work. I didn't like it and I feel regretful for it. Let me try a different way. Right. Let me try something else. And that's growth. That is growth. And growth is hard and it's painful. And Absolutely. I know a lot of men who still haven't done it. Mm-hmm. And that Yeah, kinda... I think that it's really easy to get stuck in a routine. And routine becomes easy, like get up, go to work, and whatever. And that routine can also become super monotonous, which can lead to, like, you feel like you're not growing, you're not progressing, and can tie into or lead into, like, depression. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. you're, you, you don't feel appreciated at work, you're just doing the same thing, you don't see any kind of... Um, way to move up or like gain um, a different position in what you're doing and so you become depressed and uh, you start dwelling on all these negative things that you don't you know you don't see an end to and you just spiral down in depression and I think that that often leads to like substance abuse and yeah. uh, um, alcohol and substance abuse and uh, can lead to like really bad stuff like suicidal thoughts and, and stuff like that which a yeah. lot of men tend to do um, I was reading sti- statistics on um, men's mental health and it says that even though women attempt suicide more than men men are twice as likely to kill themselves by suicide yeah I, I actually saw a statistic the other day and it was like every 32 minutes a man takes his own life yeah. that's across the world yeah. yeah you think about it right now the time is twelve twenty-four. by the time it turns one o'clock one man has killed himself yeah. and there's a lot of crazy statistics that really kind of play into men's mental health that don't get paid attention to enough. And one is that 70 to 80% of divorces or breakups are initiated by women. Mm-hmm. And again, every, what was it? 32 minutes or 34 minutes or whatever, a man kills himself and 22 veterans a day, male veterans, kill themselves and suicide is really high amongst men and I'll be vulnerable enough to say it that like there's been times I've considered it I'm sure you have I'm sure you have you know and it's it's a hard thing to face up to because you think oh it makes me weak or whatever no it makes you human yeah it means that you at some point in your life had more than you can handle Mm -hmm. and you just you kind of think that's like your only way out. And sadly for a lot of men, that is their only way out because there's not a whole lot of support or resources for men to really kind of get the support or care they need to repair themselves in a meaningful way. Yeah. And it's sad. So if you think about it, like if a woman is, is feeling the same way, she's more um, likely to turn to like maybe female friends and talk talk about it and it's more accepted that she's going to talk about it and and then get advice and maybe seek treatment whereas like men most groups of men like even like good friends it is hard 
to open up to your friends and also like most men don't know how to deal with that like if, if one of their good friends comes to them and says hey I'm having this this trouble this, this problem whatever um, how likely are they to, to give good advice and listen and like not know, very likely just because it's yeah. it's just because it's not so common and they don't know how to respond like and that thing is so ingrained in their mind just like what are you doing? Why are you talking? What are you saying? Why are you sharing your emotions with me right now? Be a man. Fuck. Pussy. Your balls a tug. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny because I've reached a different like plateau in my own maturity where I go, somebody comes to me with their problem and it's like, you, you know, I'm having a hard time with X, Y, or Z or my relationship's ending or whatever. Like I'm actually like extremely grateful that that person came to me and was like, had enough trust and love in me to reach out and ask me to help them. Like you fucking got it, dude. Yeah. And I, I think that's different versus the whole, like, dude, why are you being such a bitch? Like, yeah. Oh, for sure. I hate that shit. Yeah. And it's to me, it's like, you know, if I reach out to somebody and they say that, like, I just, I have no respect for you anymore. I yeah. don't care about you. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. And, and it's, sometimes it's like Preston said, like, you don't even have to like share what you're going through. Sometimes it's just like somebody's company that's going to help you go through it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, dude, I feel like shit, man. You want to go grab a beer? Sure. You know, and and most of the time for me, like, if I'm going through something and just want to hang out with somebody, like, I don't want to necessarily have a full on conversation about anything. Just like you know watch a game or like yeah sometimes it's just the escapism yeah, yeah. just having someone there yeah you know, just in your presence go fishing and look at this look at the river and not say anything and just like sipping on beer yeah yeah and that's i think for <laughs> i feel a lot better man you're right <laughs> like sometimes just stepping out of your kind of survival mode for a moment is a big thing and and like you were talking about earlier you know you go to work, you come home, you go to sleep, you get up, go to work, whatever. I've recently learned that that is called survival mode because most of the time when you're doing that, you're not in like a robot mode. It's because there are things that you need to deal with that you subconsciously don't know you need to deal with. So you kind of go into this autonomous mode where it's work, sleep, work, sleep, and that's all you really do. And then in your downtime, you're just like a total vegetable. Yeah, it's just survival mode because there are things that you're avoiding or don't know you need to deal with. And I went through a, a very long period of that. And it, those things take a toll, you know, the, the, these amounts of times where you're just like a robot and you're not actively involved in anything in your life where you're just doing this and it, it takes a toll. It has a cost. Everything has a cost, you know? So it's, I think for anybody who's in that mode, you need to just take a moment and look around and take stock of like, okay, yeah, I'm in this zone, but I've got a relationship to deal with. I'm a parent. I have to actually spend time with my kids. I have to fulfill myself in some meaningful way, but it's hard to do when you're kind of in that zone of like, I just got to get from A to B one day to the next, you know? And I think for men, like you were saying with women, 
you know, they could seek advice or care from their female friends or coworkers or whomever. And let's be real with women. There's always men there who are willing to support you air quotations. So there's never like a limited supply of people who care for women. But for men, that number is extremely small. Yeah. And it's, it really is hard to kind of suss out who, again, who is in your corner and who is not. And it's, it's a very difficult thing. But uh, I'm going to ask you guys another question because it was starting to get a little negative there for a second. Uh, <laughs> what helps your mental health the most? Preston. So I have, I have my hobbies I'm extremely passionate about. I'm huge into fly fishing. Huge into shooting. So when I'm going through something, I, I tend to go towards something that brings me happiness and peace. When I'm fly fishing, most of the time I'm by myself. I'm out in nature. I'm listening to the birds. I'm listening to the river. You know, most of the time it's not, it's not really about catching fish. That's not why I'm there. Most of the time it's just being out in nature, processing my thoughts, mm-hmm. going through my shit with nature around me this beautiful surrounding and if i catch a fish awesome yeah that's not why i'm going though and shooting gunpowder therapy man i fucking swear by it it's awesome there's just something about just booms and recoil and (laughs) ringing steel all right just well that's something that you and i have been able to kind of bond over lately is is going to shoot and also understanding having like similar desires with shooting where it's not just like we've talked about just standing there punching holes in paper. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more than that. And the ability to just go out, you know, with, with your gear and everything and just like completely disconnect from all of your bullshit, everything you're going through in your life. You're, you're not thinking about work or your bills or anything like that. Like it's this in this moment right now. Mm -hmm. And this is enjoyable. And again, it, like what Spencer was saying, it's not always about, you know, let's sit down and talk about my feelings. It, this is just like we're just hanging out. We're having a good time. Mm-hmm. And this is all that matters is right here and right now. And it, like it might not be, you know, you're sitting there thinking about your problems at that time while you're out shooting or doing whatever you do. You're not thinking about what you're going through, but just that happiness that that thing brings you puts you in a better mindset to later fight those battles you're fighting. Sure. Um, and even like, even out there, you don't, I guess, necessarily have to not talk about things or not think about things because you can still talk about things while you're out there doing something with your buddy. Absolutely. But you're, you have something there to, I guess, keep you occupied. So it's not just you're sitting at a bar or whatever, just talking. You have something to do. So it's not like just... I guess bringing down the moment, whatever you're not just both in a negative. with joy. Yeah, it brings you happiness, and you can look at your problems with a happier mindset mm-hmm. instead of just being negative. For sure, it makes you look at other aspects of what's going on and appreciate other things that are going on instead of just being negative and like feeling anger. Yeah, you know. Yeah. If you can feel joy while you're doing something and then talk about something that you're going through while you're feeling that joy, it makes it a whole lot easier to go through. Yeah, definitely. I think that just breaking that um, 
cycle of doing the same thing over and over again and reliving or just thinking about the same thing over and over again, breaking that cycle and reconnecting with something that brings you joy so that you remember that feeling and like, oh shit, this is what life is. This is what, this is where my happiness is. Um, reconnecting with that happiness to remind yourself that there is fun and love and joy in the world instead of just dwelling on all the negative. Um, you touched on a few things. Um, nature, I think, is a huge, huge thing that's overlooked um, with mental health in, in general, not just men's mental health, but like reconnecting with nature, getting outside, going hiking, like just being out there and seeing the real world instead of seeing like the concrete jungle that we are used to, you know, surrounded by houses and buildings and, and stuff like that, um, I think is very therapeutic and, and often overlooked. Yeah. Um, doing something that you enjoy, that you are passionate about, that's, that's uh, you said hobbies like fishing and, and shooting and stuff like that, but there's also skill involved in that yeah and learning something and going through that and trying to build a skill so that you're focusing on something and you can see um a line towards improvement as you're doing it yeah i think is really therapeutic and i think is is um often used in in therapies and they'll say find a hobby that's something that you're interested in and focus on that mm -hmm. And you're working through your traumas by building confidence in another area. And so right. it's like you're building confidence while you're also doing something that you enjoy so that you're more likely to continue doing that. Um, and then physical activity is another thing that I think that most people, especially men, really need. Um, I think that it's built in our DNA that we we want to be physical beings and we most of us don't get that on a daily basis like our job we walk around a lot yeah but we don't really get physical activity so like going to the gym I know for me like I don't even go to the, I don't ever step on a scale I mean I'm super overweight you know, I don't really care. I don't step on a scale, but I go to the gym to help my mental well-being. Yeah. Because if I don't go for, like, a few days or a week, I just feel like shit, and I'm pissed off, and I have this aggression that underlies everything that I do. And uh, when I do go, I'm just <laughs> calm. Yeah, you have you know, that outlet. Very calm. You know, some somebody comes to me with a problem, and it's like, hey... I already did fucking five sets of squats this morning. That was the hardest thing I've done today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever you have, we can talk through this. Like, you yeah, know, you know. And so, uh, there's definitely those are the three three main things: outdoors, physical activity, and finding a hobby that 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 works your brain, works your mind, and that you can strive towards being better at something whatever it is if you want to build hobby cars or if you want to build you know go fly fishing or go shooting like the especially the way you guys are doing like uh 
tactical style. Full kit range day. Full yeah, kit full range kit day. range day training, <laughs> stuff like that. It's a whole different level of, of enjoying. Plus, I think that shooting guns, I mean, it's a release of endorphins, and um, there's a certain amount of... Uh, um, what is it when you're excited? Fucking... Dopamine? Dopamine and adrenaline. Yeah. It's dumped into your system and it just feels good. It does. And it's it's a very, like, primal man thing. Because the noise and the feeling and there's, like, a sense of power with firearms. That yeah. It, it's like John Woo said. You give a man a gun, he thinks he's Superman. You give him two guns, he thinks he's God. It's a lot like that. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, yeah, I agree with... All of those points, I think there there is certain healing factors that come with just nature alone, you know. I don't know if you guys do this. Do you do uh, grounding? I try to when it's not zero degrees outside, <laughs> but I'll go walk around outside as much as I can barefoot and just, like, connect with the earth. You ever do that, Preston? Um not necessarily, like, barefoot or anything like that, but, like, when I'm in a, when I'm in a river fly fishing or I, I usually put my hand in the water and just feel the I guess the temperature of the water and just like the power of that that rushing water it's yeah. you know it's, it's something more than than me you know it's it's mm. it's just beautiful and it, it 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 makes me realize like yeah my problems are shitty but there's there's more to the world than just me alone mm-hmm. you know there's there's awesome things out there that i can experience and so just like feeling that that rushing water that cold water run over my hand and, and you know seeing the trout in the water and it's just beautiful and it makes me realize like yeah my problems suck there's some beautiful shit out there you know yeah and well and I, I myself am like a very kind of touchy feely person like, I have to touch things a lot. And it seems so weird to actually, like, talk about it out loud. But, like, I see something and I'm curious about the texture of it. So I have to touch it. Yeah. And I think it's the same with grounding or touching the water or picking up a handful of dirt or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just... You want to feel its life essence? Yeah. 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 It's uh, connecting to something other than yourself. And it's strange how powerful that is but as for you know things that help like my mental health is um, obviously a lot of the things you guys were talking about being physical I think is the number one most underrated thing for anybody's mental health man woman child whatever going outside and doing something physically active are two of the most powerful things and it's like like I was joking about taser tag which is something I really want to do it's not as much about like, oh, I want to get this great video for YouTube. It's about I want to be able to have fun with my friends. I want to be able to run. And I want to do something that is physically stimulating in a very meaningful way. And, yeah, obviously it's going to get recorded and get put on YouTube because <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah. But it's like when when I bring that up and people or just immediately dismissive of it. It's like, no, you don't understand that you need this more than I do. Yeah. You know, um, other things I do. So I, I like, I read and write a lot. Just, 
uh, anything that like tickles my fancy, whether it's like a self-help thing or a fiction or whatever, I'll read it if it's interesting. I think writing is one of the other most underutilized things. And you don't necessarily have to write about what you're going through or whatever. Write a short story or write down what's on your mind at the moment. Write down uh, just what what you're thinking of. And I think everybody, men especially, should sit down at least once a week and just check in with yourself and just write down like what happened in your week, how you felt, your ups and downs, what you want to do better for next week or what you failed at in the previous week. I think that's a super underutilized exercise. I think uh, one thing that also helps my mental health is just disconnecting from my problems or how I feel about things and just being like, yeah, these things have happened or I'm having, I've been having a hard time with this, but right now I want to just be here and now, you know, I want to be watching some stupid fucking thing on YouTube with my kid, or I want to be here and now doing this episode with you guys, you know, and just taking a break from everything that's going on in your mind. And I know that just seems like insurmountable, but you can actually do it if you teach yourself how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to do. It's incredibly hard to do. It is, especially, you know, when you're in the the thick of big problems or huge life changes or um, events that have happened that are altering your entire life as they happen. It's very difficult to just disconnect from it, but with enough practice, you can do it. You can yeah. just go... You know, for this moment, I just don't want to be down about it. Or I don't want to think about it. I just want to be here and now and focused on this moment. Yeah. And it's painful. Yeah. I think it's incredibly easy to just kind of dwell on your problems, curl up in a ball, lay in bed all day, and just let days pass by. But that, it doesn't help the problem. I think you need to get out and do things and be active, experience new things, set goals, and just accomplish things. Because even though, like, that might not actually help the underlying problem, you're accomplishing things in your life and you're like, hell yeah, man, I did that. I'm accomplishing this shit. I feel good about myself. It doesn't matter what the fuck's going on in the background. I did this today. Well, there's steps. There's yeah, steps yeah. to a higher plateau. You go, okay, well, I I wanted to do this one thing. I wanted to go to full kit range day. Mm-hmm. I took one step towards feeling better. Yeah. And the higher you get in that, that steps, the closer you go to going, okay, this big, seemingly insurmountable, impregnable fucking problem that I have, I, I can get over it because yeah. I did all these things. I did yeah. this cool shit. I was listening to one thing that was talking about, like, if you're having problems with depression or or stuff like that. Don't be a pussy. (laughs) Stop being a fucking bitch. (laughs) One of the the first things you can try to do is you wake up, get out of bed, and make your bed. That's the first step. And if you have to do that for a week and that's the only step that you take, you're taking that one step. doesn't have to be a huge step. It's just... You, you've done that today, and then after that first week, okay, well, I'm having no problem with this anymore. Now what's the next step? Yeah. You know, 
take the next step and then you do that for a little while okay i have no problem doing this anymore what's the next step and it might take you you know months or years to get to the to your goal but as long as you're working towards that goal it's something to look forward to and something to push for and gives you motivation just like i was saying with the hobbies like if you have something like right now i'm trying to play the drums i fucking suck at playing the drums but it's fun yeah and i work at it and i try to do it as much as i can every other day every day um and i suck but it's fun and it's something to look forward to and i want to get better at it and so like dave when dave got here i was fucking rocking on the drums and he was killing it (laughs) knocking on the door uh, yeah, after I rang the bell, I was like, ah, I hope he doesn't answer for a minute. This is entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's something that I've been doing personally. And so I was in a band earlier, like when I was, you know, 22, 23, until I was about 30. And so I played the guitar. I was the lead singer and wrote all the lyrics for all of our songs. So I was doing all the writing. I was doing, you know, coming up with the guitar riffs and and uh, the rhythms and stuff like that and that was something that I helped I thought I think really helped me get through that weird time where you're going through like finding out who you are and like um, your personality is developing but I was like Dave said I was writing every single day probably at least four or five pages of not even just lyrics just like what I was thinking and like how I thought about different stuff. I would listen to music and then write about like what I thought about that music. Mm. And that would lead into like a thought about writing a song about something. And so I'd start writing a song about whatever it was that I was thinking about. But musical therapy, I think is a huge thing that people um, could utilize that might be overlooked but I think a lot of people do try to take up like an instrument just for the the hobby thing like I'm doing with drums so there's a few things Um, one is the the make your bed thing because I listened to that speech from that admiral yep and that was one of his top 10 since I heard that from the first time I heard that I make my bed every day granted I didn't make my bed today I was in kind of a hurry it's fair but his final point on that is what really stuck with me. It was that even if you go out into the world and you have a terrible fucking day, a shitty day, when you come home, you have a fresh, clean bed made and ready for you to get into. Mm-hmm. And that was what really stuck with me. Wasn't the, it's not the productivity. It's the end result. Mm. And it's like, yeah, making your bed takes five minutes at the most. And most people don't do it, even though in his perception is you've accomplished the first task of the day and one task begets another one and another one and another one. Cause I'll have days where I get up for work and I get around and like I've had a shower, I'm still a little hazy, you know, you have a cup of coffee, but it's when I'm done making my bed in the morning. And then that's when I go, okay, I'm ready for today. Mm-hmm. Whatever comes, let's go. My bed's made. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And the musical therapy thing, a thousand percent true. Like, and it's hard, and I know we've kind of talked about this recently, where, like, all of your favorite music just kind of breaks your heart when you're going through stuff. 
that's necessary. It is. And it not only is it necessary, it's also makes you appreciate that music more mm-hmm. because it does kind of help you get through tough times or it helps you process an emotion or helps you really understand how you feel about something because somebody else already went through it yeah. and they made this beautiful creation that helps you get through it. And like going back to kind of what you were saying with uh, not so much of um, the steps of going through things, I think it is extremely important, especially for men, is you have to learn how to sit in your pain. You have to learn how to deal with it because if you just numb it or excuse it or you just like spend incredible amounts of time in the gym trying to ignore it or get past it, you're never really going to learn anything from it. Sometimes you do have to just curl up in the fetal position and just have a good cry. Sometimes you do have to just stay in bed for days or however long it takes you until you finally choose the moment where you go okay today i'm going to get up today i'm going to fight back or i'm gonna i'm going to be strong today and it's it's fucking hard but i think finding the right tools is really important and sometimes it just takes you a little bit longer to find the tools that you need but i wonder where that military saying embrace the suck comes in yeah it's uh (laughs) I honestly, I don't fully agree with that saying either. Yeah. Because that does come from like you know the old ways of put your big boy pants on, yeah, suck it stop up, be a bitch. You know, stop being a bitch. I said that to my cat earlier today. And I feel <laughs> <laughs> he did. I was here for it. <laughs> I told him to go outside and catch a fucking rat like a real cat. Stop being a little bitch. Um, so I don't really agree with that saying because. It's okay to go through shitty things and feel like it's a shitty time. Yeah. I don't think you should have to put your big boy pants on and get through it. Like, obviously, sometimes you have to, um, especially in, in, in cases of the military and stuff like that. There's some things that you have to do that you don't have a say over. You just have to get through it. Yeah. But I don't feel like it's a bad thing to have bad feelings about that, um, where especially in the military you've got your your battle buddies you know you have your your brothers and sisters that are by you every single day going through the same shit you are um so you can talk to them and say hey man this fucking sucks they're gonna be like yeah it does let's talk about it so embrace this suck i get the the concept behind it i fucking hate that saying yeah i absolutely hate it because (laughs) it's just that thing of yep put your big boy pants on get through it yeah why? Why can't you have bad feelings about shit that you have to do? You should be able to have bad feelings about it and yeah. be able to talk to somebody about it. Like, yes, it sucks. And yes, at the same time, you have to, at that moment, you have to, I guess, live by that saying, embrace the suck and get through it in that time. Because when you're deployed overseas, you don't have time to say, yo, this fucking sucks. Let's, uh, let's, let's time out real quick and just, uh, you know, talk about our feelings. <laughs> don't really have time to do that yeah so you have to get through it and then afterwards hey man that fucking sucked Let's you talk have about to process it. It. you have to process it yeah and it's it's just like any kind of harvest of any kind you have to take it in in mass and then you have to process it through to get a refined object on the other side so yeah just like you said in the moment you can't 
but later on you have to do that. But I think for too many people, men especially, it's just keep going through it, keep going through the suck. And it's like you're never taking a moment to breathe and think about what you've been through or be able to process it in a healthy way and come out with something positive on the other side. Yeah, I think that that's where a lot of men get lost in dealing with their um, things that they push down because they don't take that time out because they see it as being selfish. Or weak. Really, it's, it's not. I mean, everybody should... You have to take the time to take care of yourself, first of all, mm-hmm. so that you have the strength and energy to take care of those people that are around you. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, it's <coughs> it's not going to... You're not going to be able to keep doing that forever. There's going to be a point where it just becomes too much and you're going to have to stop and rethink everything. Like um, like I said, like I, I've done that in the past five years where I, you know, I have to go to the gym and my family knows that. Like, why am I going to bed at like 8 o'clock at night? Because I'm waking up at 4 o'clock and going to the gym yeah. to take care, take care of myself. Going to sleep at eight, yeah, I want to see you guys. I get home at like seven forty-five, seven fifty. Might eat dinner. I'll go to sleep at like eight thirty. Try to get up at four thirty so that I can take care of myself, so that I can do the things that I need to take care of you, also. Yeah. Yeah, and and I went through that for quite a long period of time where I was kind of taking care of everybody else except for myself. But it's like you said, you you kind of run out of gas on that because, yeah, yeah. you know, where I felt like, you know, I had kids and stepkids and a partner and everything else. And it was like, I felt like I was doing everything for everybody else, but that's kind of what I had trained myself to think that I was supposed to do. And it's, I only realized now in the aftermath of everything that I needed to have taken better care of myself first. Yeah. Well, it's such a, like a, a manly so-called manly trait is to be able to just do everything all the time and that's that's what you need <laughs> yeah do. yeah and and we for some stupid fucking reason believe that's what's required of us yeah instead of having enough emotional maturity to go no i need to take a step back and i need to breathe for a moment and i have to i have to go to the gym or i have to take range day full kit range yeah full kit range day or i just need to go for a walk by myself or whatever it is and it's it's difficult because like you said we we're kind of ingrained to believe that this is what we're supposed to do but i'm going to actually go back to the music thing for a second and come on fuck sorry have you ever heard this song called to be a man by dax yes i know you have Rapper Dax? Yeah. Maybe. So he did an, an original version, and then he did another version with Darius Rucker. Country singer. Hootie and the Blowfish. We're old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's only recently country. Yeah. yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish was always kind of like full country pop. Kind of. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read these lyrics for you guys. I would just play the song, but I don't want to get slammed with a copyright because mm. it's fucking dumb. When I'm done reading it, I want to hear your thoughts. So the song goes, I can't hide myself. I don't expect you to understand. I just hope I can explain what it's like to be a man. 
It's a lonely road, and they don't care about what you know, but what you provide inside that home. Being a man is what you make it. You can't always live up to expectations. You try to please everybody while you struggle so you fake it, and end up out of balance, compromising situations. As a good man, do what he should man, and give everything he has and do everything he could man. You might find yourself feeling all alone inside a house you built that you don't recognize as home. And that's what my daddy told me, and I'll tell my son the same. Now that I'm older, I relate and I actually feel his pain. He never cried, he might have lied, but he didn't not complain. And he said, son, one day you have to do the same. I get emotional when I stop and think and I look around beyond the county lines of my small town. I think about all the men out there who feel like I do now, who are screaming on the inside but won't ever make a sound. I can't hide myself. I don't expect you to understand. I just hope that I can explain what it's like to be a man. And they don't care about, or sorry, it's a lonely road and they don't care about what you know, but what you, eh, and they don't care about what you know. It's not about how you feel, but what you provide inside that home. Oh my God, where's the rest of it? Sorry, one second. For some reason, that only had that one verse on it. Um, stand by. I feel like even just that verse was such a true statement on how. Oh, I found the other half manliness right. is perceived, or the the male perspective is perceived by most people. So here's the rest of it. Don't give up. Keep fighting. As a man, our son is our horizon. And our father's actions play a role and we end up like him. So they can't let us see them hurt because we'll embody what they do and start a generational curse. No wonder most men are so depressed, all the things they can't express. They go to war, get thrown on the shelf, then go back to war with their mental health. And grab that bottle and ask for help. Try to pull themselves out of hell, then fall back down and realize that they're going to have to do it themselves. It's a circle of life as a man you provide. They don't know what you're worth till the day that you die. And that's when they start crying, then move on to a man to confide in. And then the chorus goes on. What do you guys think of that song? I think he... He makes a very solid point. A hundred percent. Yeah. And just so you know... I've listened to that song like a million times and just reading it out loud, I was still getting chills because yeah. that's, that's just how like it profound it is. It hits you deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, like I said, that is the um, plight of, of the male that is really not talked about. And like hearing that I've never. I don't think I've ever heard that song. Actually, it's great. It's um, a good song. But yeah, I mean, to have it broke down like that, it's pretty awesome and sad at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's severely um, heartbreaking. But yeah, I mean, and that's why I think that we as as men of a certain age that have children or are starting to have families um, can really try to change the narrative and like raise our kids differently I mean 
but it's such a hard thing to, to, to try to come up with something on your own, like, but to show your kids that it's okay to, like, show your emotions, and, um, I think that I was both cursed and lucky enough to have all girls, I have three girls, one that identifies as a boy now, but like growing up or raising them was different for me because it's like I didn't have any sisters and I don't I didn't really understand the female hormones as they change and stuff like that, but it was a lot easier for me to show them emotion, I think maybe than it is for me to show emotion to like my nephews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and stuff like that, which is weird and something I've never really thought about, you know. But I think it's goes back to that thing that's ingrained in us that like be a man and show manliness or whatever. Is there is before you answer, is there any particular lines that stand out in that song for you especially? Um when he was talking about uh going to war and uh coming back home and, you know, picking up the bottle. It's not the exact words, but you know, uh uh that is a major, major problem. Um, a lot of people that I served with are are alcoholics because it, you come home and there's no... It's hard to find a way to deal with those feelings and those problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the military, it's a... It's kind of frowned upon to get help, to talk about your feelings and um it like they 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 make you seem like uh you're less than you're less than if you do that and that sucks like that's that's not how it should be at all um so a lot of people they'll you know they'll come back from and not even like having to go to war or whatever like just like your your duty station like not deploying whatever like you still have problems you see shit you do shit every single day that really puts a toll on your health and on your like your mental um your mental health uh so a lot of people turn to drugs and alcohol because it's the only thing that they think can get them through that or make them feel something other than what they were feeling yeah well it also doesn't help that like partying or being like a binge drinker is almost a masculine trait like portrayed as a masculine thing like like in movies and pop pop culture it's yeah. like that's what guys do and there's actually um, statistics that say that men are twice as likely to binge drink and have consistently higher alcohol related deaths and hospitalizations um, compounded by the, the problematic drinking is seen as socially acceptable so it's like binge drinking is seen as something that is like sought after as like I'm going to drink 10 beers how many beers are you going to drink you know it's something that is a huge thing and so like turning to something like alcohol is seen more acceptable to be as a male um, than should be (laughs) you think about it in terms of like the old school movies like our dads would watch you know, like old, uh, um, what's his fucking face? The Duke. 
where he was always drinking whiskey or, you know, things like that. And so that's been a prevalent thing for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But I think men tend to turn to alcohol for the escapism. I mean, I know for quite a while I did. And now that I've changed my drinking habits to where it's like um, a mindful drinking or just a social drinking kind of thing where I don't have a lot of the same problems I had before because you were in those times, you know, you're trying to numb your pain or you're trying to escape from it or you're just trying to get those feel good endorphins that you get from liquor or whatever. And when you grow a little bit and you go, that's actually one of the worst things for me, mm-hmm. especially when you're going through things or you're trying to process things. But yeah, men, I tend to know more alcoholic men than alcoholic women. Yeah. And it's a pure fact. And kind of going back to that song though, there's like two lines that really kind of stick out in that song for me. And one is, uh, I think about all the men out there who feel like I do now who are screaming on the inside but won't ever make a sound. And that goes back to like what we were talking about with kind of changing that paradigm of like, you can scream out loud. I'm here for it. You know, I'll listen. Mm -hmm. But the other one that really sticks with me is uh, uh, grab that bottle and ask for help, try to pull themselves out of hell and then fall back down and realize they have to do it themselves. So there's this guy on TikTok that... I'll see every once in a while. And he tries to be like a men's motivation kind of guy, but he's like extremely aggressive about the way he comes across. So it's hard to watch his content. But the one thing that I do take away from his content is that he says, no one's coming to save you, big dog. You got to do it yourself. And I kind of took that when I was at a, you know, kind of a really low point And I, internalized that and said, okay, I do have to save myself. I am the one who has to help me because I can't rely on anybody else to do it. I have to do it. But the, the further along I've gotten since that point, I kind of go like, is that really the way it has to be? Like, do you have to just be your own savior all the time? Or is there some point in time where like you can trust and care enough in somebody else to help you? Or are we just hardwired that that's the way we have to be? I think that I think that initially it is it's true. It has to be you. It has to come from you, and it has to be your choice to make a change. Part of that change could be seeking help, but it has to come from you to make that choice and seek that you know, whatever it is, like if you need somebody to talk to, seeking a therapist or a professional that can help you through, you know, your troubles, or if it's something like making the change to take care of your mental health through like, you know, physical activity or going on a hike or, you know, going out into nature, nature therapy. But I think initially it does have to be you well it has to be you that makes the choice for sure if somebody just like drags you out you know just comes picks you up and takes you out you might you know have a little bit of relief but like you're still going to be dwelling on that if you make the change the choice to be like you know what i'm going to go out and do whatever i'm going to do today and fucking 
trying to enjoy myself, that's that's taking a, a, a step, like we were talking about. For sure. You know, if somebody else is making the step for you, you're going to resist. Most, It's like somebody that is an alcoholic and you try to take them to rehab. If they don't want to go to rehab, they're not going to be rehabilitated. They're just yeah. going to be wanting to drink, and as soon as they get out, they're going to go straight back to drinking. Mm-hmm. has to be them. Unless you're Amy choice. Winehouse, then it's a different story. <laughs> you want to go to rehab. But they said no. No, no, no. no. Seether actually does a really good cover of that song, by the way. Really? Yeah. God. I always I, I liked Amy Winehouse's music. Like as she came out and stuff like that, and I saw a documentary about her on TV. This off topic, off, off topic. Watched the documentary on her on TV, and I fucking love her music now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so so Jelly Roll. I don't know if either of you guys. Oh, I love to him. Jelly Roll. I wasn't a huge fan of his music. I liked a little bit, but I was like, eh, it's whatever. If it plays, I'll listen to it. Whatever. I saw his documentary completely changed my outlook on him yeah and now i'm like i i sit there and i actually listen to what he's saying in his music and it's i respect him a whole lot more like just seeing like i guess what he's been through in life and just from that documentary alone is just i have a much higher respect for him seeing it reflected in yeah. his lyrics, and i can now see where his music is coming from and i'm like wow yeah it's just that's that's a huge thing that I think that, like we were talking about musical therapy, I think that music is one of the most powerful things that you can use in anything because it most of the time is so subconscious. Like, and a lot of stuff that you hear on the, on the radio, I hate listening to the radio. I don't ever listen to the radio. Try not to let my kids listen to, like, the radio because everything is so negative and so fucking gross that's mm-hmm. on top 40 radio these days. And it's just, like, people don't realize that they're being brainwashed into this fucking... With just vapid, garbage. shitty yeah. music. Yeah. I mean, like, I one... think that probably our parents <coughs> said the th- same things, but it's so much worse now. Like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. And... I've always been more of an uh, an album track type of person. So, like, when I listen to an album, it's front to back, no shuffle. And I tend to kind of skip the hits and go for the album tracks. Because usually with an artist, like, the album that's tracks the are... Yeah, that's the real good stuff. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the real meat. And uh, I think about, like, my top ten favorite albums. And they all deal with like hardship and pain and all these other things. And that, that is that musical therapy It's because you can listen to someone else's pain and you can go, I relate and therefore I feel this more. Yeah. Yeah. And same with, you know, that jelly roll documentary or Amy Winehouse, you understand what's behind their music so much more when you understand that person. Right. And I, I think there's something to be said for that, that, not only like helps you heal a little bit, but it also helps you get outside of yourself a little bit and go, okay, other people have problems. Other people have gone through really painful, difficult situations and they made something beautiful out of it. Like I used to use this term with myself a lot called uh, emotional alchemy, where 
And I would say it to myself anytime I was like having a hard time where I would try to take what I perceive as like a useless feeling like pain or anger or hurt or whatever and turn it into something else that's valuable or has some sense of value added to it. And that's something I I wish more people could do is just take like all the Kyles in the world who just get angry and punch the holes in the wall and shit and like turn that into something else. Yeah. You know, take that shit to the gym and, and teach that bag what, what you can do instead of, you know, poking a hole in the drywall. Yeah. And so let, let me, uh, ask you guys about uh, a quote. So Chris Rock said only women, children and dogs are loved unconditionally. Do you guys believe that? I okay, I do. In today's day and age, I feel like it's getting better. But men are usually looked at as you provide me this and that's all you're good for. Exactly. Um, I think that's bullshit though because men have so much more to offer than just a paycheck or food on the table or you know physical help with something mm-hmm. they have so much more to them than just that so like yeah his quote I absolutely believe that's that's true because men are looked at as just resources resources they're not looked at as I guess anything other than that you know I, I do feel like it is slowly changing. I feel like in today's society, it's more accepted that like, hey, men have problems too. So there are more resources out there now than there was, you know, back in the day or whatever. But it's not where I'd like to see it at the moment. It definitely needs improvement. Sure. I feel like, like everybody has feelings. Everybody has uh, reasons for going for what they're going through or whatever. But just because I'm a man doesn't mean that my feelings are less valid than a woman's. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say that I can see where that point or where that statement is being made from, but I haven't had that experience myself. I think it's mostly because the partner that I chose, um, I feel unconditional love from, and... A lot of that stems from, I mean, like, there was a long time where she made a lot more money than I did. Probably twice as much money as I made. And it was, you know, I was working a job that allowed me to um, pursue things that I wanted, I was more interested in. I was making music and doing that full time and then working at a job that didn't pay as much as I could have been making if I would have taken a different job and she was totally okay with that because she wanted to support me in doing whatever the fuck I wanted to do and to me that's what the unconditional love is is like she would love me no matter what like if I lost my job like we were laid off she didn't give a fuck like yeah you know okay what do we need to do I'll I could do this you know what are we gonna do and so I think that the hard part in today is like men go after things that like in a partner in finding love something that they're in love with before they find it 
you know, they're in love with the idea of like the perfect looking person and this is my type and this is how she's going to be before they even meet this mm-hmm. person and turns out she's really not that person, you know. And uh, been there. <laughs> <laughs> and so they have this this thing like, Oh shit, you know, my dreams are all wrong where it's like, no, you meet a person, fall in love with them for the attributions that they have already you don't have to try to change them for anything that you're in love with the person that they are yeah and and i think that love for men is viewed from like a pop cultural stance like if you look at like movies and, and music and stuff like that they want to get all the women all the hot ladies and fucking you know instead of finding the person that they're attracted to by their brain by their you know who they are as a person and you're also attracted to them then yeah go for it like it can be attained it's just you have to look for it it's not yeah the first thing that comes at you and then you're just like okay this is it well as the saying goes looks aren't everything you know right. you could be a total smoke show but if you don't have a personality well, chances are, five yeah. down, five years down the road, you're not going to look anything like you look right oh, yeah, now. So sure. <laughs> that's you all going to change. You got to look more into what that person brings to the table yeah. than just, hey, this person is a solid 10. If you're a solid 10, but you can't be there for me or uh, like provide anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're a shitty partner, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you look like. You know, as for that phrase, I think um, we conflate the idea of um, unconditional love. We have a problem with what we believe unconditional love really is. And I'm at kind of a strange crossroads in my own life where I go, okay, the only women who are really going to love me unconditionally are my mother, my sister, and my daughter. That's kind of it. And I know that's bleak, but at the same time, it's kind of a safety thing of going like, okay, these three women will love me no matter what. Mm-hmm. So if no other woman does, like I can live with it. But the problem we have with unconditional love is that we think it should come from certain people instead of just understanding that unconditional love exists in a very permanent state. It just may not come from the person you want it to like yeah. you guys I love unconditionally. So you just don't think about that because you go, okay, well, I want unconditional love from my partner or my girlfriend or my wife or whatever it is. It's hard to see what's in the periphery of that. Um, But as for like women, children, and dogs getting unconditional love no matter what, yeah, absolutely. Oh, they do for sure. Undoubtedly, I mean, that's, I think that's the difference is there's no doubt that they receive that, whether men receive that across the board. It's no, questionable. Yeah, it's, no, sure. and they don't. It's just, to me, that's reality. Yeah. But again, that's our misperceiving of where it should come from versus where it does come from. Um, the only difference is really how it's shown. Because you think about, uh, you know, you have a dog, you have a wife, and you have children. You love them unconditionally, and you show them that you love them unconditionally. So I think for men, 
we're not shown enough that we're loved unconditionally. We're not ever like told that in a viable and like digestible way from somebody who, who matters to us of like, you know, I love you unconditionally. And if I say that to you, you know, you're going to go, Oh shit, that means a lot to me versus a woman, a child or a dog who gets that all the time. They're just used to it. And we're not, it's, it's like uh, compliments with men. I bet you can recall the last time you were complimented and it still sticks with you and you still kind of walk on clouds from it. Like, Women, children, and dogs get that shit all the time. Men don't. Even though that's like the number one confidence booster for us is getting a compliment or being told thank you. Yeah. There's just not enough of it to actually supply us to kind of like inflate ourselves enough to to try a little bit harder. Yeah. Because I know that, you know, like when I had a family, if I got told at least once in a while, like, hey, you're doing a great job or thank you for all you do or whatever. Cause I, I never really got told that like it would have pushed me to actually try a little bit harder yeah. or like be a little bit more patient with the stupid shit that I used to get mad about. You know? Yeah. So like one other thing that I wanted to talk about was, uh, the fucking manosphere. You know what that is? Uh, no, I mean, I could take a guess. You get all these like, for lack of a better word, twats on social media (laughs) (laughs) who talk about like their version of what it is to be a man and like Andrew Tate, for example. Oh yeah. And there's so many that kind of follow in that same footstep of, Oh, you know, you got to be tough and you got to be able to fight and you got to be jacked and treat women like shit and all this. And I, I just can't get behind any of it. No. You guys ever watch Andrew Tate and go, man, this guy's I can't cool. watch it. I, I can't watch him. He's like, so bad. I see like some of his reels and shit. I'm just like, what a fucking twat, dude. He's a <laughs> super fucking twat. Yeah. Super twat. Any man that can go on social media and say, I'm the smartest man alive, <laughs> go fuck is a fucking retard. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, you can't be the smartest man alive and have that accent. <laughs> one or the other dude right I'm bald by choice no you're not your hairline's worse than mine I've seen it yeah I don't know there's a few that I've come across that I listen to what they have to say and I'm like okay there's a compelling argument but it's so overtaken by people like him or even like do you know who Big Pearl is yeah yeah even her to a large extent where it's not about pro men; it's anti women. Mm-hmm. That it's it, it's kind of disgusting, really. Yeah, I think a lot of people are fooled by that because they um, mix up the difference between confidence and competence. Yeah, like you can be very confident and not very com- competent. Sorry, you can be very That's actually a really profound way to put it. And not very competent and or very competent and not have to worry about confidence because you know you can do it. Like, yeah. If I know that I can do something, I'm not going to go and tell everybody, hey, I can do this. He said, guess what? I can do this. Guess what? Did you know I can do a backflip? Like, Can you do a backflip? Yeah. I mean, 
On a trampoline? On a trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> Way too fat to do it on the ground. <laughs> well, it's like that old phrase goes, if you're great at something, you never have to tell anybody, they'll tell you. Yeah. And that's the cold, hard reality of yeah. it. Whereas, like, you get an Andrew Tate who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a world-class kickboxer and I do all these great things. Like, no, you're a dirtbag is what you really yeah. are. You really have to talk about it all the time, dude? Yeah. Don't be about it. Show us. Yeah. Yeah. Like, with that said, I'm pretty sure I could take Andrew Tate in a fight. Yeah, I, I know he was a kickboxer, but I didn't really ever see him fight, so... Yeah, he had, like, two actual fights, and they totally inflated his uh, win-loss ratio mm. to make it look better for TV, and he's really not that good. Mm. Yeah, I think that there's a few personalities in that manosphere that you talk about. Um of varying degrees. I think that a lot of people see Joe Rogan as one of those people. But he's really not. Really, I mean, they see it from a perspective of not actually listening to a show or listening to him talk. Like, his comedy, stand-up comedy, has a lot of manly qualities into it, but it's that's satire. It's like yeah. he's making jokes. But most of his podcasts... Um, guess it's mostly just shit he's interested in and wants to know more about you know i think he's actually a really solid like idol in a way because he's always fair yeah he's always reasonable well for the most part there's been a few episodes i've listened to of his where i'm like dude tone it down a little bit but for the most part that's somebody that i think younger men should look at and go Okay, let's listen to what he has to say versus all these other idiots. Yeah, also he's he's not just agreeable. Like if he has a disagreement with somebody that's on his podcast, he'll he'll he's not afraid to say what he what he believes. Exactly. And but he's always respectful. But he's respectful about it. respectful of, of their opinion and and he'll agree to disagree without yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, which I think that is a hard thing for a lot of men to do is like you believe that I'm wrong so fuck you you're stupid it's like no you can believe whatever the fuck you want to believe that's fine with me it doesn't have you know any consequences <coughs> against me yeah and you thinking that I suck I don't care what you think yeah I think uh, like a lot of the I guess if you have a negative viewpoint on Joe Rogan it's it's probably from just little clips you saw on like YouTube shorts or like yeah. Facebook or whatever it's not actually listening to the podcast it's just this little video that's made to make him look bad um, you're not seeing the actual full picture it's just edited in a way that's like oh yeah this dude's a douchebag but really yeah it's like that that video that came out of him a few years ago of Joe Rogan's use of the n-word and it's like, I've listened to his show for years, and I've never heard him use the N-word in, like, a negative connotation. When he says it, he's saying it, like, in, in a jest kind of way or mm. doing an impression or something like mm -hmm. that. And the, the media just blew it up in just this big, huge, horrid kind of way to try to vilify him. Mm. And at the time, it was really because he was speaking out against current treatments for COVID. So they wanted to just, like, put a hit piece on him. Yeah. But I, I agree in the fact that, like, 
he's he's definitely a man's man, but in a reasonable way. Yeah, I think he's more like in the in the term of a progressive style as we're talking about like how we want things to change and how it should be changing. I think that he's part of that like man's man but like realizes the power of like emotions and like um talks a lot about um in the realm of men's mental health you have to take into consideration um your hormones also which is often overlooked in men for sure um like as you get older your testosterone decreases and you have an influx of estrogen and uh so that's why you see a lot of like so in my mind most of the time there's two types of (coughs) older men like 60 and over 70 years old old men there's the type that are like silent and fucking grumpy pissed off all the time just seem fucking grumpy and then the ones that are like really emotional like don't have their emotions in check at all and will like Mm -hmm. I mean they're more open to talk about things but like will cry on you know yeah see a bird fly by (coughs) that was beautiful and start crying about it like I think that's you know something that is mostly a lifetime of like suppressing your emotions and then when you have this other um hormonal hormone going on in your in your body it's just like you don't know how to react to it so you either are going to be super emotional about it or you're just going to push it down even farther and not say anything and be fucking grumpy all the time pissed off all the time so that's actually an interesting uh point that i didn't really think about bringing up is testosterone where would you guys rank your own testosterone at? And, to boot, how does that affect your mood? I actually have no idea, to be honest with you. I've no? I don't. How old are you? 24. So, <coughs> yours is probably just fine. <laughs> mine right You're now, regulated. I know, is, is dipping. Like, mine is going is lower. I'm actually going to a doctor this month to go get some tests done and get see if he'll put his finger up my butt for me. I can do that. My wife doesn't want to do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I had it done before but it was fucking weird. He didn't get any results after he just kissed me on the forehead and zipped up my pants. (laughs) So it was weird. But yeah, I think I'm He's like, do you believe in magic? Does that feel like my thumb in your butt? Meanwhile he, <laughs> meanwhile, he had both his hands on my yeah. shoulders. <laughs> Surprise! Both hands Ta-da! <laughs> Jesus. Where's, I, my, where's my thumb now? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I have an appointment this month to go get my levels checked. And, um, but I, I do believe that that has, that's like something that really, especially at my age, I'm turning 44 on Monday. Tuesday. 29? What? 29 on Tuesday. and uh, <laughs> For the 15th time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I keep forgetting how old I am. That's how old I am. Um, but yeah, I think that that's also something that isn't super normalized is like men going to get checkups by the doctor. And it's, yeah. 
it's a manly thing to not go to the doctor yeah. and uh, to it's so sad that like most men rely on their wives to 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 take control of their health <laughs> to fucking <laughs> yeah. google it for you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean but it, I mean even this doctor's appointment I'm going to my wife had to set it up because I wasn't going to fucking do it I was like, oh, I'm not setting up this thing I'm not doing it I don't know I don't want to tell the doctor to put his finger in my butt but if you set it up then I'll do it I guess <laughs> I guess I'll go uh, I don't uh, I can tell the difference between my my own testosterone levels because I have days where it's low and then I have days where it's so high I feel like the top of my head's going to blow off Yeah. and the way my mood fluctuates from the bottom end to the top end is so polar opposite Yeah. obviously but like when my testosterone feels low and I can tell um, like I, I, I got no energy I'm tired I'm just like in a distant mood I kind of don't want to be bothered um, but when it's high, I'm, it's almost like manic energy. And I, yeah, dude, I could pull the fucking moon out of the sky if you told me to yeah. on the days where it's high. And I think that, like you said, it's a very overlooked thing because the way your hormones have to balance for you to be like emotionally equated mm-hmm. is just not paid attention to enough. And with women, it's different. You know, obviously, you know, they get their monthly visit or whatever. So it's it's kind of a fluctuating scale for them. Well, they're also accustomed to going to a doctor once a year and getting yeah. things checked out and seeing. I mean, I always thought it was weird that my wife always went to the doctor. Like, and my kids go to the doctor at least once a year to get a checkup and stuff. And I never did that as a kid. Like, yeah. So it's just so foreign to me. Maybe that was just my upbringing. So we couldn't afford to go to the doctor, but like, it's just, you know, it was so foreign to me that I've never really been one to be like, seek out a treatment for something that I feel like is going, is wrong with me, you know? Yeah. Um, but I have been doing like, um, taking vitamins and supplements and stuff like that just to try to even out my, my hormones and stuff like that, which I think that most men should try to take into consideration and maybe start doing at a younger age like yeah i I think taking vitamins is actually kind of vital i mean you don't have to go and take like a hundred different vitamins in a day otherwise you're just having expensive pee but there are certain vitamins like vitamin c vitamin d um you should be taking a nootropic and, and a couple other things like you don't need a ton but you need enough to, to help you boost your own body. Yeah. But th- that, again, comes to another point of mine of, like, men's mental health has a direct correlation with their physical health. Yeah. So, and we all know somebody who's like this, who's, like, grossly overweight or uh, just, like, physically not capable of much at all. And they're miserable. And it's like, you know, if you just did a few push-ups a day, you would feel better. And therefore, your mentality is going to change. You're going to mentally and emotionally feel stronger. Because you go, yeah, dude, I, I did 10 push-ups. That's more than I did yesterday or mm-hmm. something. And again, it's one of those steps right. where it's like you take a step towards something that makes everything else easier to deal with. And 
I, I also think that's kind of a factor for determining if a man's mental health is terrible is if they don't take care of themselves at all. This kind mm. of goes downhill, yeah. <clears throat> so here's a question is uh, what's a telltale sign for you guys to see in another man that tells you his mental health is not well? Hmm. Um, and it's actually kind of hard with men because I feel like as men, we get so good at acting and just suppressing that, like letting nobody else know, like, hey, we're going through some shit. But I think, uh, I mean, if you know that person well enough, you know how they are, like how like social they are, how much they talk, how much they, you know, whatever. It's like if, if you can see a change in that, like how much they talk or how much they get out and do things, like, you know, they could be... Say they go to the gym every single day. That's their thing. They're there for two hours every single day. And then out of nowhere, they're just like, yeah, man, I'm, I just don't really feel like it. I don't, I don't want to do it. You know, it's like that's a major change in their, their normal, like, everyday life because they were so dedicated to going to the gym every single day. And then out of nowhere, they're like, yeah, I just, I just really don't want to, man. I, just, I don't feel like it today. <coughs> that, to me, would be like something's going on with you. <coughs> like, let's talk about it, you know? Yeah. Um, or if they're just not talking a whole lot, if they're just kind of being really quiet when normally they'd be, I guess, kind of the, the star of the show or whatever. Um, they're just not talking much anymore. We're like, something's going on with you. What's going on? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that it definitely depends on how well you know this person and picking up on those social cues of, you know, what their demeanor is like and how it differs from their typical behavior. Because um, we see that, I mean, we work in a place that's dominantly males and uh, sort of around a lot of <laughs> men all the time. <coughs> and it, it does become apparent, like, who's, like, um, going through things, it's really easy to tell once you know a person. Sure. Have a set like, you know, a set bar for who this person is, and also that they deviate from that in a major way. Um, but how do you approach that without without um, almost like attacking them? Attacking them, yeah, yeah. And it, any way that you come at it is almost going to seem like an attack. Like, are you okay? The fuck are you talking about? Am I okay? Yeah. Like, you know, and that might be a typical male response because it has to do with anger and aggression. Like, well, to me, <clears throat> I think that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. Is just head on. And even if they're not willing to talk about it, you're going to provoke them in an emotional way. And then if they lash out at you, you kind of have to just grit and bear, you know, like if I go to you, Preston, and I'm like, hey, man, I know you're not fucking well, and it's time for you to open up and talk to me, and you just get pissed and you start screaming at me. I'm going to let you have your moment, and then later you're going to come apologize, and you're going to yeah. be like, I feel like shit for that. I've had these things going on. Like, okay, cool. Now we're on the same step. Yeah. Like, let's talk about it now. But I think there are some telltale signs of men who are 
just mentally not well. Um, I think the number one telltale sign is belly fat. Yeah. And because when you're holding on to cortisol, you hold on to belly fat and that's where men get fat first is in, in, in their gut basically. And that could just be like, uh, their mental health's not great. So they drink a lot. So you're going to retain all that weight or it's because they've just become sedentary and they're not doing anything. And then they get chubby in the belly. And the other thing is poor oral hygiene. <laughs> I like every guy I know who's a, a mentally and emotionally not well has fucking terrible oral hygiene. Almost everyone. <laughs> I see you nodding your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, and I've tried to like wrap my mind around that why that is and. I almost think it's part of like, well, I'm not kissing anybody. Why should I brush my teeth? No, you should still brush your fucking teeth. <laughs> you should just brush your teeth because fucking your teeth are important. Yeah. Yeah, you only Correlate get... Relate directly with your overall health. <laughs> yeah, I mean, makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. So here's another factor of like men's mental health that I don't think gets covered enough is how the legal system is basically stacked against men. No matter what. Absolutely. No matter if it's <clears throat> a custody case with your children or if it's like as heinous as a rape allegation or um, domestic abuse, domestic violence situations, like no matter what, you as a man are pretty much always the perpetrator and you're never going to be given a fair shake in the court system. And I've kind of been a victim of that with, within like the realm of a custody case. Where it was like, no matter how good of a parent I am or was at the time or whatever, I was never going to be granted custody of my kids. And so many men have to go through that and then they get fucked on every end of the spectrum. You don't get custody of your kids. Now people are telling you when you can and cannot see your kids. And on top of that, you have to pay money and make it very difficult for you to live and exist in this world because you have to pay money as in terms of child support for your own children when most of the time men are honestly the more capable parent than the mother and I'll fight anybody on that one yeah I mean I can't relate in my own circumstance but like my my parents were divorced and we I don't know how much my dad fought to have custody of us, but, like, it was joint custody, but, like, we'd only go to his house, like, once a month for the weekend, but I think that that was probably more of what he wanted anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, it seems, I, for me, that was my perspective of, of how that all went down. Um but, like, from seeing it from that perspective, it makes more sense to me that, like, the women have more power because, I don't know, I would have rather been with my mom <laughs> in, in our situation anyways, um, just because her capability of showing love and caring for six kids on yeah. her own was sent like to me a higher threshold than my dad had capabilities of like 
But that was from my own personal experience. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure. But your five brothers may feel different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? I definitely agree with you that uh, men definitely have the... Uh, the kind of got the, the short end of the stick with a lot of things with that. Um, I mean, you could be completely 50-50 in a marriage, you know? Like, you have your shit, she has her shit. But you get divorced, and a lot of the times, you're losing your shit. Yep. I mean, like, you could have had more money invested in a house. Um, in the divorce, she's probably going to get it, not you. Even though you had more monetary value in that home. And it doesn't matter if you prove it or not. Yeah, it's, it doesn't fucking matter. It's hers. Yeah. Um, the same thing with kids. We're probably not going to get custody. It's probably going to be her. Um. I don't know. It's just, to me, it's bullshit that, like, something that I work so hard for, like, just, like, just, I guess, assets, you know, like, mm-hmm. just different, different things that I've owned or whatever, uh, that are completely owned by me, had no help from a spouse or whatever, they are entirely mine, why should I lose that in a, a, cust- or a, a, a legal battle when she had no ownership of it anyway? Yeah. To begin with, it, it, but that's just how it is for men in general. You're gonna lose a lot of shit. You're probably gonna walk away a lot worse off than you start, like than than she will, for sure in that situation. So, <clears throat> looking at all of that, this is a fucked up statistic. <laughs> Let's hear but it. But it's something that that. It triggers my mind into thinking certain ways. Like, is it seen that, that men are more capable of of providing all of these monetary things because that they're more driven to be successful? In the statistic that more women attempt suicide on a men-to-women ratio, but... Three point seven percent of men are more uh, die by suicide, so they're better at it. Four percent, four percent higher of men than women um, succeed in committing suicide than. Well, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say some. That's a fucked up statistic, but I'm like, gonna say some controversial <laughs> shit right here. They're just better at it. Um, I'm, I may lose like three of my seven <laughs> listeners here, but um, attempting suicide is a cry for attention. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's no attempting. If you're gonna do it, you can fucking do it. There's no like, oh, I, I took 13 aspirins and I laid in the bathtub. No, fuck that, dude. If you want to kill yourself, you can do it. It's, you got a kitchen knife right there. You got a gun, whatever it is. Uh, I don't believe in the word attempted suicide. You kill yourself yeah. or you don't. It, there's just no like middle ground for me. I'm sorry. And I know that makes me kind of an asshole, but I, that kind of really makes me think that women... <clears throat> have a higher rate of attempted suicide than men. It's not that they're better at it. It's just that they followed through. 
they just got it done because men just get shit done. That's what I was saying. It's like <laughs> it's, the, the courts see men as being able to get shit done. <laughs> I mean, so look, you know, it's I, a fair point. That was fucked up to say, but like, but it's it's still funny. That's still a view, like, yeah. as fucked up as that is, that that men are going to get something done, whereas you know, not just a cry for help, they need help, <clears throat> child support. Yeah, or uh, I need the state to pay my bills because I'm suicidal, air quotes. Uh, yeah, no, I. it's just an attention thing. And I know it sounds super misogynistic, but women thrive on attention. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it's, it's almost like a currency for women is getting attention. Versus men, I think, have a different perspective. Like, we all want attention, right? We all want to be paid attention to. We all especially want attention from the opposite sex. Um, But we as men tend to thrive more on accomplishments, which is why they actually get it done when it comes to suicide. I know that's fucked up. Yeah. That's why I was having a hard time, like... uh... (laughs) Articulate. Yeah. No, I, I get it. Trust me. Um, I think men tend to thrive more on their own accomplishments rather than trying to feed their own ego from other people. Because it's, for the most part, just not going to happen, right? And that's why I always think it's easier for women to get over relationships than it is for men because women are so capable of going out and finding another source or another man or somebody else to kind of feed that ego versus men have to actually sit and deal with themselves because there's not like there's not a waiting line you know when you get out of a relationship there's not like 25 women (laughs) over there just like oh my god i've been waiting my fucking turn it just doesn't happen versus with women it does there's always other men in the wings or whatever but men actually have to deal with their problems and they have to learn how to heal and grow and become a better version of themselves on their own or they choose suicide in which case they still get that done too Mm. (laughs) sad (laughs) sad (sighs) yeah yeah and again I'm not trying to make like a diatribe against women i I'm really not. But the reality is, I think life is in genuinely harder for men than it is for women. Yeah. And well, it's hard for me to actually like say that out loud because I've never been a woman. I don't know what, the, what they're going through. But I know there's a lot more resource for women than there is for men. Again, the court system is pretty much always in your favor. There's always other partners, you know, like waiting in the wings. There's always a support system with other women or coworkers or even, you know, new men to come in and, and feed your ego or support you in some way. Like you have all those things, but men feel isolated. And no matter what you're going through, whether it's like, oh, fuck, I got a flat tire or I'm going through a divorce or somebody close to me died or whatever, you still feel like you're on your own island and you have to deal with the shit on your own. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's where 
the hardest thing to do is try to let yourself be vulnerable. Like my dad just passed away a year, two years ago now. And uh, I was having a hard time like expressing how I was feeling and uh, especially I mean my family you know trying to let them know how I was feeling when I was okay you know I was not like I had I mean I'm aware that people die and you know sometimes people just die and that's how it is and sometimes everybody's gonna die and I uh, mean not me I'm I mean, the Highlander yeah there can be only one except for Dave <laughs> um, but like it is tough and it is a weird thing to go through as a man and try to like hold yourself together but the hardest part was realizing that you don't have to do that like you can you can break down and you can be vulnerable and you can express your emotions and be sad and, and cry and you know whatever it is that you need to do and that's totally fine and that was the hardest thing was like they didn't care if I did did or not they just wanted to know that you know I wasn't I was okay like are you going to be okay is it you, you need anything and that was the hardest part was opening up and saying I'm going to be okay I just need some time yeah um, but you know I think that's the first step is is opening yourself up um to be vulnerable and to be to show weakness as as it's perceived yeah. as um, <clears throat> in the face of the people that that look up to you for strength well and yeah I that's definitely a difficult thing and I think especially for me where I have two sons I have two boys mm -hmm. and they have that same perception of me but I've done the best I can to try to break that mold and be like, you don't have to be tough all the time. You don't have to just like bury your shit down and pretend everything's okay. Cause it's not always okay. Yeah. It's just, that's not reality. And you don't have to like create a persona of, uh, you know, I'm the fucking Duke, you know, of like nothing bothers me. Like, no, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to talk to me about it. It's okay for you to talk to your mom about it or whomever. And if anybody is not willing to accept the fact that you're reaching out for help or not willing to accept your vulnerability, fuck that person. Yeah. That's not somebody who's in your corner. And that's has to be normalized also is, is to be like, fuck that person. Like, that's okay for you to say, you know what? I don't fuck with that person because fuck that person. <laughs> you know, what yeah, I mean? you yeah. know, that's been a hard lesson for me this past, like, six eight months is learning to be able to emotionally tell other people to fuck off yeah like you're not adding value to my life it's no benefit for you and i to be uh friends or try to talk or force a relationship like you're you're a downer or you're negative or you're just a shitty person like i don't want you within my realm yeah life's too short to uh have those kind of people in your life you need people that help bring you up help you out when you're down help you accomplish goals get further in life it's okay to 
cut somebody out of your life that's keeping you down all the time, whether that be friends, for sure. family, a significant other, whatever. There's no room for that. No. Why? Like life is too too short to just be held down by the people surrounding you all the time. Cut no, them out. I agree. And it's extremely hard. It is. I've had to cut, you know, family out of my life and, and, and other friends and stuff like that. And it's never easy. Each situation is, you know, difficult. But at the end of the day, I come out a lot better than I would be if I had them in my life dragging me down. Yeah. And I've, <clears throat> I've become um, incredibly skilled at <laughs> disassociating from people. It's, it's kind of scary. <laughs> but there are just certain people that I've I've had in my life for you know a, a period of time that I'm just like, nah, dude, I'm I'm done with these people or this person or that person or whatever for these reasons, because it's like all you do is drag me down. You're not adding any value to my life. There's no way I can add value to your life because you're just an asshole. And it's just like, we don't need to pretend anymore. We don't have to try to force this connection. We don't have to try to have conversations that we're never going to see eye to eye on. Like, we're just done. We're good. You go your way and I'm going to go mine. Yeah. And sometimes it can be just as easy as not texting them anymore, not calling them anymore. It'll The problem will solve itself because if they're already not invested in you know, helping you or anything like that, if you just stop texting them and you go like months without anything, the problem's solved right there. I agree. <laughs> there's no there's no hard conversation to be had. There's no, you know, awkward like... It's not you, it's me. <laughs> yeah, there's none of that. It's just you stop talking to them and they don't reach out. It's done. You know it's like it's... like That solves the problem right there. You know it was done yeah, already. Yeah, exactly. And <clears throat> I, I try not to like put relationships into simplistic terms of they haven't reached out to me but within the realm of like toxic people yeah that problem you're exactly right it does solve itself you just stop reaching out to people and you stop inviting people to things or doing whatever and it's just like yeah that that not untangles itself yeah yeah i definitely think that like People that I don't see eye to eye with and I don't necessarily get along with do add value to me as a person in the form of like they um, solidify my resolve on things. So like they're challenging what I'm saying and I back it up and I'm confident in backing it up that adds value that it's making me more confident in, in what I feel. And, but as if they overstep that, that, you know, mutual, like, um, agree to disagree situation and, and, and belittle you, then I think that's definitely not adding value. Yeah. Um, so there is value in, in having an adversary that like respects and like, you don't necessarily, agree with all the time sure i mean you don't want to live in an echo chamber right but you can have that same conversation with somebody you actually care about and value versus having that conversation with somebody you don't really care about and you don't value yeah because excuse me sorry about that um because 
then you're just trying to like have a fight in your life that you really don't need yeah. versus like if you and I were to talk about something and I, and I was to say like uh, new school reggae is better than grassroots and you're like, no, grassroots is better. But we just end up coming to the terms of you like what you like and I like what I like yeah. and we're not going to change each other. That adds value to our relationship versus just like, let's say we don't like each other and we have that conversation. It's just going to be fight. butting heads yeah. the whole time. Nothing's going to change. Nobody's opinion is going to change. And all you did was just talk a lot and nobody reached any new ground. Yeah. I think it's okay to disagree with people, uh, have different viewpoints on things, mindsets on things. Um, it doesn't make either one of you right or wrong. You just I have agree. different mindsets. You have different opinions. That doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't make them less of a person. You have different right. mindsets. As different long things. as you both. As long as conclusion. you can. <laughs> right. As long as you can both agree. You like what you like. I like what I like. We can still yeah. be friends. Show some maturity. Right. You don't have to agree on everything. Yeah. And there are people that I do like. And I agree with them on a lot of things. And the like. Um, disagree on with you know other things and uh, at that point I'm like you're a fucking idiot but I still love that person like yeah. <laughs> and can talk to him and be friends with him but like if you know as long as it's mutual that both of us are on the side of you're a fucking idiot on this issue <laughs> as long as you agree with my point of view <laughs> I'm a dumbass you're a dumbass yeah it's more well, yeah <laughs> opinions are opinions yeah they're basically like fiction it's it doesn't apply to well, your another person. Derives from your experience, like yeah. you know what you know, I know what I know, and both can be true at the same time, and both are leading to totally different outcomes. But it just doesn't make it any less true, right? So here's a one more uh, topic of conversation on men's mental health that I think really needs to be touched on is uh, fathers and. The way not only your dad was growing up or how you view him now, but also your relationship with your dad, I think plays a huge factor in men's mental health. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because like, um, I adore my dad. I think he's the best. But I also know that it, he's kind of... Uh, sad in his state of life like just you know where he's at he doesn't go out and do a whole lot he doesn't like have a, a bunch of friends or anything like that and that you know that kind of makes me sad of like how do I help him but at the same time it's kind of like a, a weird conundrum of like what does he need to feel better in life because I think your roles reverse as time goes on, where you kind of have to parent your own parent in a way. But I think the way we view our fathers growing up helps us adjust to be the men that we are. You think so? Yeah, for sure. At the same time, though, uh, so my dad, he's never been a, uh, a person I can go to for help or um, I mean he's great at like just life experience and like learning you know different trades and whatever like 
he's good for that. But if I'm going through something, it's never been my dad I go to because he's always just the one of, oh, yeah, sorry, man, that, that kind of sucks, whatever. Uh, just, I guess, move on with it. Put your big boy pants on. Get on. <laughs> you know? Do you um, think that makes you a stronger man in contrast? It does, though, because it, it makes me... Uh, it made me more of a person that, like, I have the mindset of if you're going through something, I will absolutely listen to you. I will mm-hmm. be there. I will be your shoulder to cry on. It doesn't matter. Whatever. I will be there for you. Drop everything and, and be there for you. Because I didn't have that, you know, from my dad. My mom, I guess I could say I'm definitely more of, like, a, a mama's boy, you know. My mom has definitely been my person that I, I can go to for, for help with things and just somebody to talk to especially with like recent things in my life. My mom has been a big, big help in that. Um, I did talk to my dad about those things that I'm going through and it was like, that sucks, man. Sorry. Uh, don't know what to tell you, mm-hmm. you know? And so that definitely makes me more of a, what can I do to help kind of person? You know, like, I feel like, I'd rather be that person for somebody than just a person that says, yeah, suck it up, man. I'd rather be that person for somebody to, you know, listen to them and help them be that shoulder for them to cry on than just suck it up, man. Yeah. Get over it. Yeah, I was definitely, so my parents divorced when I was six, I believe, six, five or six. And, uh, so we moved out and like, we would see my dad on the weekends or whatever, whenever we had visitation rights, visitation, my mom didn't really hold us back from seeing him, um, but he did work a lot. Um, well, he had to pay child support for six kids. (laughs) And, uh, so he was, he, he worked an awful lot and I think that... Come to realize, I think that he was working so much because he fucking hated his ex-wife, <laughs> or hated his wife, his his new wife. Couldn't stand to be around her too much. Um, Isn't it strange? Yeah. How many men go through that? Yeah. And like, I remember my uh, my aunt, my dad's oldest sister, was bragging one day about her how her husband works like 13 or 14 hours a day and it's like i get it you're a cunt (laughs) i wouldn't want to be around you either yeah so i mean when we did spend time with him he was fully engaged with us like tried to teach us we go hunting and fishing and you know go shoot guns like every time we were with him we'd go shooting or you know rabbit hunting or go deer hunting bear hunting whatever it was um, so we got that from him, but then my mom remarried another man who was also a super great father figure. He didn't actually end up ever having any biological kids of his own, but raised us six boys and then another generation, just all my cousins and like second cousins would constantly coming through our house and living with my mom and those guys. And <coughs> so he raised probably... 50 or 60 kids just like oh, wow. you know um you damn polynesians uh, yeah yeah <laughs> there, there's a lot of us um so he he was able to re- be a father figure for a lot of these kids and a lot of their parents were going through divorces and so like 
my aunts or my cousins were going through divorces, so they'd come and stay with my mom for six months, a year, two years, whatever. And, uh, you know, my stepdad is there, and he would help raise the kids, be the father figure they, you know, needed at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was fortunate enough to have men in my life that, that showed me two different perspectives. My dad was very... He was almost more emotional, like he was, you know, he would show his vulnerability and like um, tell us how his his mistakes and like how he regretted things in his life and you know he was very open with, with stuff like that. Um, and then my stepdad was, you know, the father, the coach, the, you know, person that you could rely on to give you good advice on whatever it was and... and also was like a big dreamer but like was always somebody else's dream that he was pushing and was was very um supportive of anything that you had going on that was like he was there to support for sure Hmm. and uh, so i was really fortunate to have two sides of of the coin like both the emotional and just the like man man um side um, but I definitely think that both of their perspectives shape the way that I father my own kids. Yeah. And I try to blend the two, you know, trying to be a real person and show them that I'm a real person and let them know that, like, emotions are something that everybody experiences and everybody goes through, and and uh, but at the same time, you're the one that has to take responsibility how you react to those emotions is up to you um you can either dwell on it and stagnate or you can work towards moving past it and that's the key you have to try to work towards moving past whatever it is you're going through yeah and like like i said like i my dad's awesome and he does blend a lot of those things together um I just wish he was more like willing to put effort into himself rather than just uh, try to push everybody else's dreams or everybody else's like narratives or things they want. Cause he's very much like that. It's support everybody else, but neglect yourself. And the whole reason I asked that is really cause I wanted to show the contrast and that's the contrast that I have with him is like, I see, kind of how downtrodden he is with life because obviously he's getting older and things are changing and whatever but I I look at him and I go I can't resign myself to that because I want more out of this life than just I want to go to work and then I want to come home and watch TV I want better for myself but I also think it's it's a very understated thing that the number one only man in every man's life that wants to see you do better than them is your own father. Yeah. And that's because your dad's always going to be like your biggest fan. I mean, not to say moms aren't, but, and, and I have like equally cool parents. So, and they're extremely supportive and caring and loving and say nurturing things and all that. But I think for men, you tend to gravitate more towards your father because that's, that's the first man you knew, you know, and that's a role that, I think doesn't get as much appreciation because 
even though I've got two boys and they, you know, still look up to me for whatever reason, I don't know, I'm a fucking idiot, <laughs> but I also have a daughter and it's having that role of being dad needs to be taken with like a certain understanding that what you do is important and what they see from you is important. And so they, they need to see that masculinity and you being strong and tough and capable, but they also need to see that you're able to have emotions and you're able to process those and you're able to deal with them and not just get mad and yell all the time, which admittedly I yell at my kid all the time because she's kind of an asshole. But <laughs> Most of the time when I yell at my kids, so I yell at my kids like every day, but most of the time it's like I'm just joking and they know that. And so I'll act like I'm pissed off, like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then there's, uh, I'm watching TV. <laughs> okay, cool, what are you watching? But, like, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, it is imperative that us as parents show our kids that it is normal to not be okay, and it's okay to not be okay. And yeah how to deal with those things in different situations. Um, it's it's difficult. It's difficult because you essentially have to deal with your own feelings, but you're also training a little tiny version of you to deal with their feelings at the same time. But you're learning and growing while teaching them how to learn and grow. Yeah. And that's something that kids... I mean, you don't realize that until you are a parent yourself and like, fuck, my parents were just making this shit up <laughs> the yeah. whole time. You don't realize that until you become a parent and you're just like trying to teach some somebody how to do something. They don't understand it and you don't understand it. You're just making it up. I'm like, oh shit, this yeah. is what my parents were doing. That's the reality. So final question. What have you guys done to grow emotionally as men? I think setting goals has really helped me. Um, Full kit range day. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, I, do, I set these goals and I, I accomplish different things and it makes me feel better about myself because I accomplished that thing. Um, you know, so I feel, I feel better about myself and I'm able to do things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so like, you know, like I, I went through the military and incredibly fucking hard there's a lot of hard uh aspects to that but each one of those little little items that were super hard i'm like i got to the other side of that i'm like i fucking did that dude Mm -hmm. i can do that and that really made me appreciate myself a lot more and what i'm capable of doing and what i can do so that when something difficult comes up again in the future i'm like i've been through this i can go through this um, as far as like, I guess, bettering my mental health and everything, uh, talking more has definitely helped because for the longest time I kept shit in and I just, you know, shoved it down deep. Mm-hmm. Eventually it's going to come out, whether it be just a total just anger burst or just crying in a ball, like eventually those feelings are going to come out. And who knows when? I mean, it could just be, you know, like you said, 
flipping the couch over like a lost TV remote or whatever. It's things like that. It's like just out of nowhere, just these little like subtle, subtle, just minor inconveniences. You're really gonna lose your shit. So I've learned to talk about what I'm going through and how I'm feeling, and it it definitely makes me. I mean, it gives me that uh, the perspective of the other person that I'm talking to. It they talk to me and they're like, hey, this is what I experienced and this is how I got through whatever, and it it gives me more ideas to get through things and come out better on the other side instead of just shoving things down not talking about it and then having those violent outbursts or you know punching a wall throwing a tv whatever yeah um me personally you know i've i've really made it um, a goal of mine to like prioritize well, not prioritize prioritize taking care of myself um, whether that's going to the gym or going fishing or going you know this weekend we went to the hot springs um, up there in crystal crystal hot springs um, just to get that time to like decompress and like um, take that stress away and I think that that's super important for everybody to take a look at what they need to be able to provide what they need to provide for the people around them So I agree and I've, <clears throat> I've definitely taken on that same aspect of understanding that there are days where I also need to kind of decompress and if that means I'm just going to lay in bed and watch TV all day, that's what I'm going to do. But I think for me personally, the number one thing that helps me grow my own mental health is nourishing creativity. So no matter what it is you do, like doing a podcast or if I'm working on you know, like the cameras for the YouTube stuff or all these other things, or if I'm just going to sit down and write or if I'm going to read or whatever it is, I have to nourish that because my mind is just like nonstop. And I have to fuel that in a meaningful way rather than just sit there and think or dwell. I have to actually put the all those emotions into something that's going to produce some fruit. And rather like i said a podcast or you know making videos or full kit range day or if i'm just going to write in my journal or if i'm going to sit and read a book or if i'm going to write a book or whatever it is you have to funnel everything into something that is going to have an end result yeah that for me I've got so many logs on the fire of so many things that i'm working on simultaneously and it's not a distraction thing it's me finally realizing that that is my own growth that I, I don't have like an ideal goal of what I want out of all these things that I'm doing it's because I want to find that joy in doing those things yeah. and joy and happiness are two very different things mm -hmm. happiness is like kind of what women perceive of like oh if I do all these things I'm going to find happiness versus I think men toward to lean more towards joy, which is 
learning how to have that little bits of happiness on the road to where you're going. And Matthew McConaughey does like a great speech about happiness versus joy. If you haven't listened to it, highly recommend. It's actually a smart guy for a Texas boy. (laughs) Yeah, with that said, I I think uh, men's mental health is something that's not talked about nearly enough. It's not something that gets brought to the table as like a real discussion you know and for all the reasons we've talked about and the whole quit being a bitch don't be a pussy pull yourself up by your bootstraps thing i think is so outdated but i also think it's up to people like us to start changing that paradigm to not use that as like a blanket excuse for somebody else's problems or you know if somebody comes to you with a problem you can't just say those things you have to be there in a meaningful, thoughtful way that shows care and not just like a disdain for, I don't want to hear about your shit. I got my own shit. Like you have to figure out a paradigm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agree for sure. Let's say, you know, when you're talking about like doing stuff with podcasts and stuff, it's also been like something for me when you like say, Oh, we, want to do like a topic you know whatever topic I do get into that mode of like like research mode. research and like Scott take notes it's super fun like going down I mean I go down rabbit holes on fucking dumb shit all the time yeah and it's like okay this gives me a direction yeah. and it's it's it does follow that thing taking steps you know one step leads to another to come out with actual useful information to put out to the 11 or 12 people that are listening. <laughs> it's, it's funny because the way I see that this whole podcast thing is like, and it really ties into mental health is that like for a long time, I felt like I didn't have a voice. Like nobody listened to me. Nobody cared. Nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. So doing this, kind of gave me a voice it it gave me a platform to be able to say whatever is on my mind whatever's in my heart but that allows me to give that platform to you guys too because if it wasn't for like you guys and all the other people who have been on it like there wouldn't be anything i can't sit here and talk into a mic for two and a half or three hours Mm -hmm. and it'd be entertaining i'm just not that funny so it's like the ability to not just have my own voice but to give that to everybody else means a lot to me because if somebody is going out of their way to listen to this show, it means they care about what you have to say. And so I think that's much more valuable than, you know, just writing it down or talking to one individual person. This is a, a, like a platform that all of us can go on and let it all out. And then you understand, like, okay, there is people who care what I have to say because they're listening. And Mm -hmm. I I can show the numbers of how many people are listening and what topics are popular or, or, you know, what people on the show are popular and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's like an audible journal almost, whereas, like, maybe a year from now you come back and do another podcast on mental health men's mental health and you have a totally different exactly stream of thought about it and you know you can listen back to this and say oh, i was such a dumbass this is you know 
what I think now. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean. And, like, every episode is going to have a sequel or two. Yeah. And part of that is uh, getting very different uh, accounts. So, like, if I was to do the same episode again later, I would probably do it with two different people to see yeah. what they say. Yeah. But then maybe down the road I could get everybody together who's been on, who's done that same topic, and then we can discuss it again in, like, two years. And like you said, see how you've grown and matured or changed your perspective. Yeah. And that doesn't work with every topic, but one like this where it's an, an ever-changing flux, you can easily do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this was a good one. Yeah. We got a little deep. So deep. So deep. Preston's first one. Yeah. It's so much fun. It's only, you know, you got to go deep on this first try. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that fucks with my mental health so much. (laughs) Anyway, thanks, guys. All right. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. Bye.